It's a new week and a new series here at Victory Church Cape Town. Let the good things grow. This week, Sid Roll talks to us about being established in the Word. Morning. Are you laughing with my glasses? It's either glasses or it's that. And um, I don't know. You know the feeling. I've got some, some people who are in a good age bracket in the front row to help me out this morning. Just um, three, three people I just wanted to quickly say something to. Where's, where is, let me think, is Arlene left? <laughs> I just wanted to point out. <laughs> okay, yes, she's in the toilet, but I wanted to point out how radiant and beautiful, the very pregnant Arlene is. That's Yarlene, that's Yarlene, that's Yannick over there. He's her husband. And yeah, I just looked over and thought, wow, amazing. Another thing, another person, so amazing. Carol Martin's in the back. She's gonna, she doesn't like attention like that. But Carol Martin is one of the coolest people ever in the entire world, ever. And Carol and her husband did our Jennifer and my marriage prep. And here we are. You've let the good things grow. Thank you for your investment. We love you guys and think you're so cool. And Chesy, where's Cheslin? He's probably on the toilet. <laughs> Luckily, there's a ladies and a gents. There she is. Look how beautiful she is. All right. And then, um, Chesy, just that beard. Lush. And he's doing great things on the guitar. So those are the three things I just wanted to say before we get going. Just get that off my chest. Otherwise, I mean, we're already late. It's already 12 minutes past 10. Normally, we want to finish at half past. And Jono's allowed all of this to happen. And he knows I've got many words. So there's lots to get through. Um, I'm very excited to launch uh, the series for us, Let the Good Things Grow. And the, th the first thing we're going to be looking at, um, and thank you, creative team, for coming up with this great name, being established in the Word. So when I read the title uh, earlier this week, I thought everything that we discussed in the preaching team, um, and I, what I said I was going to do, I, I'm not doing any of that. So I've gone for something completely different. John is okay with it. But let me say a few things. We believe as a team and as an eldership, this series is for now, for right now. We believe it's gonna, that God's going to use it to stretch us. And we believe that God's going to use it to grow us. And we believe God's going to use it to equip us. And we believe God's going to use it to bless us. And my personal prayer is that when we're done with this series, and you've already heard, we're going to do bits of it, and then we may go away and do something else, and we may come back to it, that when we're done with it, whenever that is, we are going to be closer to God. Amen? Who wants to be closer to God? Great, great desire. More confidence in God's promises, and really, really courageous in the face of all these all sorts of stuff that seems to keep coming our way. There's going to be giveaways. That already happened, or it's still there, but you're going to get it. Some instructions will follow later. Wives, get yourselves ready. It is a new season. Flowers are coming your way. 
And for those of you who regularly get flowers, you are going to get different kinds of lovely flowers. I speak that into your husband's heart right now. Mothers, flowers. Mothers-in-law, again, he forgot the shout out. Hello, mother-in-law. So, <laughs> cheapest. I'm using this platform for all sorts of weird stuff. So, so lads, get yourselves ready. Don't buy that coffee a few times in a row and then buy those flowers. Really, really, uh, re really, really important. So, we're going to jump in. Let me tell you about my grass problem. Now, I know some of you are thinking, wow, I already like this guy. He's starting off with a confession. Not that kind of grass. What, I, what I'm talking about is I'm starting, I'm starting with the normal stuff relating to our topic. I'm talking about turf, you know, the, the stuff outside that we walk on, that kind of grass, turf. You see, um, this, the house we, we're renting, when we originally came over, some of you will know, it was for a 12-month period in, in December 2018. <laughs> As you can see, nothing really, anything I say that's apart from the Bible, it's just like stuff. It's just stuff that happens, okay? So basically, we, we, we moved into this house, and it was just on the back of the big Cape Town drought. And um, I remember our daughter, Elizabeth, um, she was like two and a half, and they were playing in the garden, and she fell. And when she got up, where there once was grass, there was now only like sticks and stuff. And she got up, and she had these scrapes all the way down her beautiful face. Yeah, don't, don't be too distracted by that. We'll get to that in a second. And, um, and I thought, just this is not okay. So I, I did, you know, what other people were doing, right? Like, you know, shower inside of the buckets and, and, and catch the water and, and, and grab your buckets after the kids had a bath. And, and every day I would go out there and chuck multiple buckets and a little bit of green shoots happened, but nothing, nothing major, nothing to really speak uh, much about, you know. Um, and then, um, you know, it would, it would grow a bit and then the sun would come and then it would be completely over. Especially in February. February is brutal. If you don't, water all the time, it's over. And, um, and then last February, after realizing, listen, it's not 12 months, it's now been a couple of years, I called, who I like to call my grass guy. <laughs> I called my grass guy up, Stephen Weber. He's one of the elders here. Um, and um, can I just say, the man... The man is a legend, a gentleman and a scholar. It was an absolute game changer calling someone who knows about grass. Okay, so he came over, and um, that first photo that, that we had up there, that one shows you what we had to work with. I mean, a patch right at the back, can you see? Right at the back, and something kind of like in front of the stairs. But beyond that, pretty much just sand, really, beach sand. And I don't know much about growing grass, but I thought beach sand, not ideal, not ideal. And Stephen came, and um, he gave me the good news. He said, the kind of grass that was there was easy to grow. How many of you know, like, if he was like, you know, there's sand and there's this patch of grass, but this patch of grass is useless. That would have been a disaster. He came out and he said, this grass is actually, it's actually really easy to grow. 
And then he said, see all these barren patches? We can just flatten it, and then we'll seed it. And he said, we'll chuck some of my fertilizer stuff that I've got there um, on there, do some watering. And he said, and most importantly, you phoned me at a great time. You phoned me in February, and right now, this is the moment. If we get going straight away, we're, we're in the money. You're going to have lawn. And I was like, well, this, this sounds promising. <laughs> it sounds promising, you know. And so we, what we did is we, we got rakes and uh, just raked out all those dead bits. All of those dead bits just went. We just raked it all out. And then Stephen came with this thing, which it's just three metal bars blew my mind. You just push that thing over, it flattens everything perfectly. I'm like, when you look at it, you think, that thing, I don't know what that thing's going to do. When he ever arrives at your house after this talk, because you want the same lawn as me, magical. Don't judge that thing with the three pieces of metal on it, because it is absolutely incredible. So we flatten it. And then our son, Nathan, got involved with Stephen, and they chucked some seed everywhere and some fertilizer. Um, and then, you know, it was February. So the sun was shining. We had that element. And the only thing left to do for us was to water and to wait. So we watered and waited. And then, can you go to the next slide? Then this happened. So you can see it's even wet from the morning watering. And you can see there's a bit of, but what the heck is that about? So, so Stephen said, for the next six weeks, nobody walks on this grass. And you're thinking, we're trying to get this grass ready for our kids to plow. And you're telling me for six weeks. Six, did you say six weeks? He was like, yes, yeah, six weeks. Just get the whole family involved. They will all appreciate it at the end. I'm like, have you seen the age of my two children? <laughs> anyway, they all got involved. And then also Mr. Mole got involved, didn't he? Partway through, he came and did that. Just an absolute dog show. But we persisted and we watered and we kept fertilizing and adding topsoil and we spent very little time on it. And we gave it time, you're going to like this, to be properly established. Huh? Hello? Throwing my turf words around. We gave the grass, because he said, when it grows, the more you cut it, it will start doing this little canopy thing. And it will all grow together. And then, hello, next slide. Shazam! Isn't it amazing? You saw the first picture, right? That's what happened in six weeks. Six weeks. And the pool is no longer green. Well, so, so do, you know what? do you know why the pool was green at the start? Because there was no grass. We thought we need some color in our lives. And then we basically also just extracted some of that green out of the pool and sprinkled it on there for this photo to look a bit better. So it was totally worth the time. Totally worth the effort, totally worth the money, and I'm really hoping it's going to be a helpful picture for us as we try and, you know, spend our time today looking at what it means to be established in the Word of God. What is that even? What, what does it look like to be established in the Word of God, and why, why should you and I want to be? Why? Because... You know, I mean, it seems like social media has all the answers, right? There's a lot of very smart people on there. Um, 
So, I mean, I'm thinking, why? Why do we need it? You know, I mean, a couple of reasons, maybe. There's some really cool stories in the Bible. So that's a good reason, if you like good stories. If you like stories about, like, the little guy meeting the big guy. The big guy's got all the armor. He's intimidating. The little guy's like, I'm not bothered. I fought a few sheep. I've got a sling. And you're going down. You know, stories like that. There's stories about, Lee and I were talking about this midweek. In 2 Samuel, there's a story about a guy called Benaiah. I don't know if you've heard about him. Crazy. There's one verse about him. He's in David's um, mighty men army. And you think, so they're giving you a description of what a mighty man looks like. And for all the blokes who think you're hard, okay, after this, you will reconsider. Okay, this guy saw a lion. It was snowing. He saw a lion. The lion ran away from him. The lion fell into a pit. This guy didn't go, and that's how mighty men do it. I just looked at him. He went, no, he ran in, jumped into the pit, and took care of the lion. That's why he's a mighty man in David's army. Those kind of stories are in the Bible, so it's quite intriguing, quite inviting to come and read if you want to, you know, find stuff like that. Also, if the events of the past few years have taught us anything, it's that things are not so stable. You know, we, we thought when the water restrictions lifted in Cape Town, whoa, the restrictions have lifted. We thought our lives were restricted. And we weren't here for most of it, so I'm, I'm including myself. But, you know, we came in at the back end of it, so I am going to include myself a little bit. We thought, whoa, quite a thing. These restrictions have lifted. And then, and then we learned what restrictions are really like. So if the events of the past few years have taught us anything, is that things will be shaken over and over and over again. And only that which is firmly established is going to stand. Only the things that are established. So that is a good reason. Because everything else folds like cheap tents around you. But I think there's a better reason. And this is my number one conviction. And I, I really, really hope and pray this is going to be your number one conviction. It's because Jesus was established in the Word. Now, as a follower of Jesus, as someone who's trying to follow the way and walk in the footsteps of the one who's gone before us, we should desire, and not only desire, but also do what is needed to be like him. How many of you know desire isn't good enough? Yeah? We all desire to read our Bibles more, right? We all desire to pray more. But there's a bit of effort that is needed. And I know we don't always like to talk about that. We don't always like to talk about the, the effort bit. Because then we think, oh, now he's getting into the rules and regulations of the situation. So, let me rather show you what I mean from the Bible. Because I've now told you about my grass guy. And we've chuckled a bit. But I think it's important to get into the Bible. There's, there's four things right at the very beginning of the Bible, right as you jump in. There's four things that stand out, and we should all take notice of it. Humans are made, right? 
So humanity is, this is the four things that happen. Humanity is formed, and then they're blessed. God says, you are blessed. Now I'll go be fruitful and multiply. Then they are sent. Go and look after this garden and enjoy everything in it. And then they are tested. Four things. Formed, blessed, sent, and then tested. And then, let me read you this from the Bible. I love the glasses. So good, eh? Thank you. Thanks, Joe. I love you. This is Genesis 3. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say? Did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from all the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. And check this out. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And then the serpent does this. You won't die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. I want us to notice... The snake immediately goes for the issue of authority. He puts Jesus' authority, God's authority, into question straight away. Did God really say? No, man, God didn't, yeah, didn't actually mean you're going to die. It's just something he said when he was in a bit of a bad mood. And later on that day, the Lord walks through the garden and addresses the situation. He sorts them all out. And then what takes place in this moment and what takes place from that moment onwards throughout the rest of the Old Testament is we see promises of a seed that is coming. It's another word. Hey, in the Bible and so into our series, let the good things grow. We're just going to throw like seed and plant and water words around that we find from the Bible everywhere. But there's promises of a seed that is coming, a snake crusher. All the way through, this one will once and for all deal with this deceiver. And as you start the New Testament, guess what? Four very interesting things happen. There's always parallels. This is why the Bible is so awesome. As you started, there's four things that stand out right away. By the power of the Holy Spirit, in Mary, a seed is formed. How cool is that? And then, wonderfully and beautifully and really publicly, at his baptism, that seed is blessed. And then, sent straight into the wilderness. And you guessed it. Just like the humans in Genesis, tested. Formed, blessed, sent, and immediately tested. So let's read it together. 
Don't worry about that. I'll read it from here. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, this is Matthew 4, sorry, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, this is for the people who don't always pay attention, this little, these next three words, he was hungry. Do you know what I mean? Some people just, we just scoot over it very quickly. So this is like, okay, for the guys who aren't going to pay attention, after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, what did he answer? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, the highest point, and said to him, if you are the son of God, always questioning authority, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. And he goes, you know what? You're going to play the quote the Bible game. I'm going to quote the Bible right back at you. And he goes, for it is written. Hello. I can also say that. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in all their glory. And he said to him, all of these I will give to you if you only fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and angels came and ministered to him. We need to remember a few things here. Jesus didn't eat for six weeks. And he was feeling the effects of that. I had a little fast day this week. And I'll tell you what, halfway through, I'm thinking, I'm feeling the effects of this. The snake is well aware. And the snake is confident. He's confident. He backs himself. And he says, if you're the son of God, tell these, sto tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But... Jesus is ready. Jesus is ready because he's been in the word. Jesus is ready because he's established in the word. Years of faithful learning from the rabbis at the synagogue and many more years memorizing scripture. <clears throat> Excuse me, mean he's now established. And he replies, it's written. The New Living Translation says, no, the scriptures say. I like it. People don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, strike one. For those who are not familiar with baseball and America, three strikes and you're gone. <clears throat> Remember, this is not just random. Nothing in the Bible is random. Everything is there to teach us something, to draw something out of us, and to invite us in. 
He's trying to show us that the word is enough. The word is enough. Whether you're in the desert for 40 days or 40 years like the Israelites, bread doesn't do it. But the word of God changes everything. The word of God is enough. And then there's a second exchange, isn't there? If we're going to play the quote the Bible game, like I said, then I'm all in, says the snake. So they move location. He's quite clever. Didn't work here. Come and see what I've got over here. Takes him to the tower of the temple. And somehow, way before his time, the snake thinks we're in some sort of a Marvel movie. People are now going to jump off things and superpowers are going to come and happen. If you really are the son of God, prove it. God will protect his chosen one. And Jesus said, because he's ready, also it's written, don't test God. Strike two. In this second exchange, the snake is attempting to distort scripture. <coughs> Excuse me. Singing in a mask, eh? I'm just going to say that that gets the throat. Please, Mr. Roma Pausa. I'm just speaking on behalf of myself. It wasn't anything political. I'm just like asking for... Anyway. Jesus' reply shows us that the scripture is coherent. It all works together. We should carry it together. And we should interpret it together. For sure, Psalm 91 says God protects his people. 100%. And Deuteronomy says, don't test your God. And we need to make sure we understand both. Because Jesus was established in the scriptures, because he had a grasp on the big picture of the Bible, he wasn't lured into any deception. Jesus then gets taken away to the third location. Never go to the third location. But Jesus goes along to the third location. And John, I mentioned that we had this little trip out on Table Mountain yesterday, and we saw the most incredible views. And everywhere you stop and people chat you, they're like, can you believe these views? And we, 20 times throughout the day, look at each other going, I'm going to say the same thing I said to you earlier, can you believe these views? Unbelievable. Views are cool, right? So he takes Jesus to where he can see everything. Clever. Let's not think the deceiver isn't clever. He's clever. We don't want to give him any credit or talk to him too much, but he's clever. And he's cunning. And he says, all of these kingdoms and things you can see, it's all yours. It's all yours. And Jesus doesn't hesitate when he says, just bow down to me. Jesus says, no, get out of here. Get out of here, for it is written. Strike three. In this third exchange, Jesus reestablishes something that the snake tried to put on some wonky foundations back in Genesis. 
a seed was promised, and it was promised that he was going to come and crush the snake, right? This is the moment. He's showing us that God's word is authoritative. Jeepers, I got that whole word out. But I'm Afrikaans. Thank you, God. When God tells us to do something, no matter what other people say, no matter what their ideas are, no matter how much we're tempted, the best move is always to go with what God says. Even if you have to quote it to the other person. And guess what? There's always a guaranteed victory. What amazes me is that this is the Son of God, right? The Son of God. And He's got everything that He needs at His disposal. Just think about it for a second. When the tempter came, He had everything He needed at His disposal. Everything you and I can imagine. Calling, I don't know, fire-breathing dragons. Whatever it was in your mind that you can come up with. And all the things that our minds aren't big enough, even if we put all of them together to comprehend. All of that and more he had at his disposal. And guess what he went with? He went with, it is written. So there's a real example. There's a real invitation for you and me today. He's saying, come. You're invited in. Jesus is modeling to you and me that being established in the Word of God is a massive deal. This is the one we want to be like, right? If you're a Christ follower, this is who you want to be like. And if this is who we want to be like, then reading the Bible is a massive deal. There's another question. How? Because in my experience, most people, when someone preaches about the Word of God, they go home feeling guilty. I've spoken to people about it. We've done like little surveys when we're going to do preaching series. People feel guilty. Well, it's weird because when we come together and we sit around the Word of God, we want people to feel uplifted when they leave. And then if, if you're the guy or the girl who gets to do this one, it's like, good luck to you. I'd say 50% of the people in this room today would be my guess, at least. When you think about your Bible reading, what comes to mind is that first picture of my grass. A little patch here, a little patch there. A little bit of greenery, but mostly beach sand. And I'm not having a go. I just think that's just the stats. <laughs> and the guilt is horrible because it leaves people paralyzed. We hear what the Word of God says. We see the example of Jesus. And people don't end up doing anything because they feel guilty and ashamed when anyone speaks on the topic, and I'm going to say to you, not today. I'm not going to have it. <laughs> I don't want anyone to go home feeling guilty. I don't want anyone to go home feeling ashamed or paralyzed. 
a simple conversation with my grass guy, Stephen, turned the whole situation in my back garden around in six weeks. And I'm thinking, what an investment, because my son, one day, is going to play football for some English club, and it's basically my retirement plan. <laughs> Got that off my chest. I wonder what one small conversation with the kind, loving, gracious, 150% for you Father will do for you and me today. Just a small conversation. I wonder what it could do. You know, there's nothing the Lord wants more than to speak to you and me. There's nothing the Lord wants more than to spend time with you and me. There's nothing the Lord wants more than for you and me, every situation in our lives, to be turned around for the better, for the sake of His glory. There's nothing the Lord wants more than for you and me to stop feeling guilty. He died on the cross. We took communion this morning. He died on the cross for sin and guilt and shame. So there's no, there's no reason for us to leave and go home and think, I haven't read my Bible, and he said all those things about the Bible, and now I feel guilty. James 4 verse 8 says, if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. It's a promise. It's in the Bible. And maybe you've done this before, and maybe you've done it over and over again, and then the results have been challenging. And I'm going to say, have another go. <laughs> I'm going to pray for us. John, I think I managed that in a half an hour. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 speaks about this thorn in his flesh. Mentions that a lot, something that doesn't want to go away. And then he speaks to the Lord about it, and the Lord says in verse 9 of 2 Corinthians 12, he says, My grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in your weakness. Isn't it cool? <laughs> Even if you think, man, I've tried and 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 tried, and I feel weak. His power is made perfect in your and my weakness. So let's stand together. He's going to give it, a, let's give it a second. Let's just see what God wants to do in this moment. Okay, Tanya, can you, can you guys come, please? And um, I'm going to pray for all of us. And then... 
think God wants to speak directly to some people, prophetically. So when the prayer is done, the band will do their thing. Whoever needs to go can go. And whoever feels like they want to come forward because they trust in God for something, and they trust that God will speak directly. Yep. Joe, can you come and help me? Please. Why don't you stretch out your hands to God? Jesus, we love, we love your examples all over Scripture. We love how you dealt with sickness and disease. We love how you spoke to waves and they had to obey. We love that you love people so much. We love the example, multiple examples that you've given us about giving. Just as Ken showed us today, we, we shouldn't be hanging on. We should, we should be giving. We love the example here in Matthew 4 that we quickly looked at today. Well, you said it's written, it's written, it's written. You showed us the need for us to be established in the Word of God is huge. And Lord, I, I pray that you will work wonders with whatever we are reading. That you would cause it to bring growth and change in us, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Lord, whoever feels guilty about what's going on with their Bible reading, I ask right now that that will be taken from their shoulders. In Jesus' name. I pray for new freedom. For all of us, Lord, I pray for new revelation and that as we delve into the Word of God, it will, it will bring new life to this church community, Father. We pray that it will transform us, truly transform us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, whatever the prayer is that you want, come forward. We'd love to pray with you guys. Also, really sorry. Lee and I did a little video, which we're going to post, which will give you loads of practical ideas on reading the Bible, some apps, some stuff you can use with children, all sorts of stuff. We'll pray. I hope you all enjoyed that preach. Join us again next week as we continue to let the good things grow.